to another edition of Truth and Rhythm. Brought to you by FunkinStuff.net, this is the interview show that gets deep in the pocket with contemporary music's foremost masters of the groove. I am your host, Scott Dr. G.X. Goldfine, musicologist, creative arts journalist, and multimedia pro. Whether you're watching the video version of this show or the audio-only podcast version, I thank you so much for your continued interest and support in the show. If you enjoy this programming, there are several ways to help support Truth and Rhythm, as well as contribute to further enhancements and expansion, plus get some sweet perks and rewards in the process. First, subscribe to the Funkin' Stuff channel on YouTube, which is where Truth and Rhythm lives, and be an advocate by spreading the word among fellow funk, jazz, and R&B music lovers. Second, join Truth and Rhythm's new membership program through Patreon, which features three tiers for truth believers, Truth Seekers, and Truth Crusaders. You can also submit a direct donation to the cause anytime at funkinstuff.net. At that site, which is loaded with awesome content, you can also purchase the book, Everything's on the One, The First Guide of Funk. Shop for official Truth and Rhythm and Funk and Stuff merchandise, and use the Amazon links for all of your online purchases, which allocates a percentage to this show. Sponsorship opportunities are available as well. Contact me directly at scottg at funkinstuff.net. For those of you who go the extra step in supporting the show, you have my heartfelt gratitude for allowing us to continue to shine the light on those special artists whose quest is to find truth in rhythm. Hey, before we get started with today's show, I just want to draw your attention to new merchandise. Funkin' Stuff and Truth and Rhythm designs are in, and they look pretty darn cool. So show your support, help support the program, and show off some stylish merchandise and apparel. Only at the Funkin' Stuff store. I'm pleased to welcome to the Truth and Rhythm Mothership, Nikki Glasby, a versatile and adventurous drummer who continues to distinguish herself through the idioms of R&B, soul, funk, jazz, and the jam band circuit. A child prodigy, she progressed through musical academics and was inspired by players like Dennis Chambers, Dave Grohl, Questlove, and Maurice White, among many others. Her big break came as a member of superstar Beyonce's all-female touring band, The Sugar Mamas. She then immersed herself in New Orleans funk and became a member of Ivan Neville's Dumpsta Funk before settling into her present soulful trio known as the Nth Power. Nikki, thank you for joining me. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's great to have you, you know, and yeah. uh, man, uh, you've kept so busy even through the pandemic, it seems. Somehow you've managed to like keep it all going. Yeah, somehow. I mean, 
that's the thing when you're a musician uh, a lot of musicians can attest to this you're obsessed with music so you know it's like I don't have a choice even if I'm not playing a gig I'm still creating and playing you know were you a little like worried or freaked out at first or did it take a little bit of an adjustment period to like hey this is how I can make it still happen yeah I mean there was definitely that I think for everyone you know just like not just musicians but anyone that had a job that um dealt with travel or you know um anything that was like consumer based you know restaurants bars all of all of those types of jobs uh yeah it was uh nerve-wracking still is you know mm -hmm. it was like i lost an entire year of work just like everyone else so um the first two months for me were pretty rough i was more depressed than anything else but that was just because uh, i couldn't play music yeah you know, could play for the people and see the people and talk to the people you know and uh give the people what they want <laughs> so yeah. that was probably the the toughest thing about the pandemic but then you know the third month came around and it was kind of like okay well this is where we are this is what we're doing so I need to figure out how to uh, make the most of my time and, you know, uh, stay sharp. Yeah, well, thank goodness we're seeing the daylight. And um, yeah, definitely. where are you coming to us from today, Nikki? Austin, Austin, Texas. Yep. I moved here about two years ago and I'm loving it. <laughs> wow. And before that, you were in New Orleans or? No, I was in New York. New York, okay. Yeah, and I actually never lived in New Orleans. Everybody thinks that I did, but I, I didn't just because I played with Dumpster Funk. But, I mean, I spent a lot of time there, but I never actually took up an address there, you know. Yeah, so how's Austin treating you? I mean, it's another great musical town for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm so happy that I moved here when I did. Because, uh, I mean, New York is just impossible. I'm <laughs> like, I don't even know if I would have been able to survive, you know. I mean, obviously, like, you find a way. And, and, and a lot of my friends that live in New York, they're still doing it, you know. Um, but um, I was ha really happy to be here because, I mean, we were one of the first states that, you know, opened up, per se. You know, um, I've had a regular gig uh, every Thursday since January. And I think I started playing locally, like in November or something like that. So, you know, because the weather is good here year round, there's lots of outdoor venues, you know, and lots of outdoor gigs. So I was uh, lucky for that. Yeah. So Nikki, tell us a little bit about, you know, how you got into the drums. I know it was through church and and you ended up going to Berkeley and that kind of thing. But can you just kind of bring us up to speed a little bit on, on your background with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I I came out of the womb playing drums, essentially. I like would pull pots and pans out of the cupboard and start beating on them with spoons or whatever I could find. And um, my mom, she plays keys and uh, she's a minister of music. 
So I started playing in church with her at a very early age. And my dad, he used to play saxophone um, a long time ago, but he's always been a music lover. So uh, a lot of my influence comes from uh, the things that he exposed me to, you know, as well. Um, but I, I grew up playing in church and I played in every single band in, in high school. <laughs> you can imagine pep band jazz band concert band the the symphonic band you know uh, i was in the pit for plays i would do anything that had to do with music i was doing it uh so then i decided to go to berkeley which was kind of uh the next step you know, I actually didn't know that I was going to be a professional musician, per se. Like, I wanted to be a cardiopulmonary pathophysiologist when I was younger. And That's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, I figured out that, like, I wouldn't be able to operate until I was, like, 36, you know, after going to school for that long and uh, studying the body. I would not be able to, you know, fully uh be in my career in my field until i was 36 and really i just wanted to help people and then i realized that i could help people playing music so when i was in high school my my senior year i, I took a like a dramatic turn you know because i had already planned to go to duke for undergrad and like go to johns hopkins for medical school and like had the whole thing mapped out and then, like, two months before I graduated, I told my family, like, oh, I think I'm going to go to music school. <laughs> They're like, what? <laughs> like, you want to be broke for the rest of your life? And I was like, as long as I'm happy, yeah. You know? And uh, so that's pretty much what happened. I went to Berkeley. I just knew I needed to study music. I didn't know, you know, like, what capacity uh, I would be involved in music like as a career i really had no idea i just knew that i needed to study music so um honestly like playing gigs kind of came out of necessity because i was broke in college in boston massachusetts one of the most expensive places on the planet and uh <laughs> i needed i needed to eat you know so i started um playing local gigs for like 75 50 bucks you know Eventually, it became a hundred, um, and we're still getting paid a hundred bucks for gigs these days, <laughs> which is crazy. I saw this meme, which is so funny. Um, it was like a Back to the Future meme, and and Doc says, "Marty, musicians are still getting paid a hundred dollars a gig in 2056." <laughs> so oh, funny. Um, but yeah. You know, just one thing led to another that led to another, and I just kept playing. And I figured out that I didn't need to actually graduate from college uh, to, you know, work in my field. Like, I just kind of started doing it, and then that was it. And you ended up in a field with a lot of healing aspects to it, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would say that, um, I've been able to, you know, touch more lives and, and 
um, you know, reach more people playing music than I would if I had been a heart surgeon, you know. And you got to spend, you know, those 12 or 14 years doing that instead of in a classroom, you know? <laughs> yeah, instead of being in a classroom, yeah. Yeah. So, I, but I mean, that's the thing is that it, it's it's all the classroom, you know? Like, I go, I go to Life University. It's like, I, you know, it's like I learn something every day, you know? Sure. I feel you, though. I took kinesiology back in college for a while, and okay. I got into organic chemistry, and I was like, you know, I don't have enough passion for this, so... Steer yeah. a different direction. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's kind of how it is. And I mean I feel like I mean I have a philosophy that, you know, people people have to listen to, you know, what their spirit tells them, you know, because that's really the only way to to lead a happy, fulfilled life, you know, is like they say money can't buy happiness. It's true. I mean, money can buy a lot of things, but <laughs> it can't buy happiness. It makes some things easier, but not happy. It makes things yeah. easier. It does, you know, but yeah. to like truly be happy, I think you have to do the thing that you're passionate about, you know? Um, and cause I, I mean, I see so many people that, you know, the weight of society, the way it's, it's so much for them it's like oh i have to do this i have to go to law school and become a lawyer because that's what my parents expect of me and i have to get married and have kids because you know that's kind of like what society puts on you you know and especially <laughs> living in the u.s like you you have to be successful you know and make a lot of money and and people measure success based on how much money they make you know but it's but like that's not even real. nikki that's so true even in just music too itself it know, is of conforming to what you know you think is going to sell or what the record label wants or what your management tells you to do or mm -hmm. you know but yeah i mean from where i sit you've followed your muse you know for the yeah. most part and that's amazing and fantastic and that's why i think you built such a loyal following too yeah i mean i'm i'm definitely thankful for it you know but yeah typically if it, if it doesn't feel good like don't do it you know <laughs> so that's kind of yeah. what i live by you know how, how did you uh cultivate such diverse appreciation of different music genres and forms you know i mean you seem so open to it yeah I, honestly like my dad exposing me to um different types of music when i was younger when i was 15 we had this like epic drive and he played me van halen 1984 uh rage against the machine the oj's gap band eve six you know and that just kind of opened me up I mean when I was in high school uh one of my best friends was like super heavy into like Marilyn Manson and you know Nirvana so I would always listen to everything um because I don't know it, it just I, I love it I love I love all types of music you know like classical jazz like I, I love it all and I love listening to it and taking it in and uh i think that really i mean i say this a lot there's only like two types of music 
you know, two genres, if you will. It's like good and bad. <laughs> you know, it's either it's either good or bad. There's no like um, real like uh, substantial difference to me it, between uh, genres. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I mean, there's there are distinct differences in the sound, but the ideas are the same. Mm-hmm. So. Is there one that, or a couple of genres maybe that you feel is more your sweet spot or not necessarily, or, or one that you enjoy more? Or? Yeah, I mean, funk is like what I live for, but rock too, you know, funk and rock are probably my two, you know, like favorite things to play, but I also love playing reggae. It's so much fun. And uh, and, 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 and improvising, you know, uh, just like free jazz, if you want to call it that, exploration music. I love that. And uh, just recently, I mean, within the past, uh, like, six years, I've really gotten deeper into that with, like, Tefra Sound with Brian Haas and Helen Jolay. And uh, Skerrick really was the one that um, recommended that I play with Helen, and 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 she called Brian. So I've been playing a lot more with Brian Haas from Jacob Fred Jazz Odyssey, and uh, and Mike Dillon too, which is so much fun because they're like-minded individuals. You know, like Brian comes from like a classical like jazz background but he loves it all, you know, he really loves reggae, you know, and Mike D coming from like a jazz punk rock, you know, background, but he loves the funk and go-go and everything else in between, you know, so it's like we all have different backgrounds, but we all meet in the middle because we love it all, you know, so it's like we just play it all and it's it's a lot of fun. <laughs> What, what's your approach in general? I mean, do you rehearse or how much do you think out, you know, your parts or how much? Yeah, do you depends. Just like... it depends on like what I'm doing, you know, um, like if the Nth Power is doing a tribute show, uh, we definitely rehearse. We rehearse like for months, you know, to um, first get the material, you know, um, a lot of times and like people don't know this, like we'll we'll go through like 40 tunes, you know, we'll actually like learn 40 tunes and then be like, okay, these are the 20 or 25 that work, you know, and um, then, you know, build a show, then start doing arrangements and all of those things. So, it, you know, it depends on what I'm doing. I could rehearse for, we could rehearse for months and then there's other gigs like I was talking about with Tefra or like Mike D, we don't rehearse at all. We just do it. You know, some of it is like we're composing on the spot. And then some of it is they, some of them are songs, but we just, we don't rehearse. We just play them, you know. But the, the cool thing about that is that like every time, like because we don't rehearse, every time we play it, it can be interpreted in a different way you know, which is probably the the coolest thing about it. Like, we don't really play a song the same way twice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I know with uh, Nth Power, you've done some uh, Earth, Wind & Fire covers, and I understand Reese White was a big influence for you. Can you speak to that a little bit at all? What what influence has he had on your style or your spiritual yeah, you know, feeling? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Earth, Earth, Wind & Fire, and that's the thing is that I came to it kind of late, you know, in, in my musical journey, in my career. Um, I always, like, heard earth wind and fire i think the first time that i heard of earth wind and fire was when i was in high school uh we did my marching band we did an arrangement of after the love is gone and it's such a beautiful song like even even in a in a marching environment i was like man this song is so gorgeous um but it took me a while to like actually get there and like listen to it you know and uh go through their cap still going through their catalog because they had so many records and uh all, he also produced uh so many different bands and 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 you know artists um i'm still digging through it all but i would say that earth wind and fire is probably my favorite band because they one of my favorite bands i have many course uh but the most influential on me because they figured out or they the the main focus was the message of the music you know and doing the show i what i did was i went through all the songs that we had all like suggested and I listened to all of them and I wrote down the lyrics as I heard them, you know, instead of like looking them up or whatever, which also was a, a way, you know, part part of the way that one of the ways that I used to study uh, music and, and all the parts and everything is to write down the lyrics. And in doing that, I really saw uh, their vision and also the impact that they had on the world through what was actually said in the songs. So not only were they, was he like one of the greatest musicians that band collectively, uh, were incredible musicians still are. And the way that they married um, style, you know, groove, musicality with the message, the way that they put it all together uh, was just so beautiful and will live forever that like that's the mark for me. Like that's the type of artist that I want to be. You know, I want to leave something for the world you know and he left us something that's so beautiful i mean even now it's like whenever I, I was like cleaning out the van the other day and there was a guy like you know vacuuming his car out and he was blasting love's holiday but it was a live version and it was a version that I had never heard before. <laughs> and I was like, man, this is amazing. Uh, that, I mean, I don't even know what year that song came out. 
I think 77. You know, that over 40 years later, you know, people are blasting it. <laughs> and it's just amazing, you know, like even the feeling I get just just hearing that and and seeing someone else enjoying that and loving it it's you know it's great but i mean i feel that way about marley too you know he's another artist that i aim to be like or have the impact that he had because uh what he did was incredible and and it's still it still lives and I think that that's the thing that is um, most notable and amazing about it is that even after you're gone, it still lives. He died the year that I was born, you know, but he has like such a huge influential role in my life, you know, and I think that's that's like the beautiful thing about music or art for that matter, period all art, you know, uh, authors, people that write, writers, you know, artists, visual artists, you know, dancers, composers, all of it, you know. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to me, Nikki, the um, spin that you guys bring on it, speaking of Earth, Wind, Fire, still specifically, you know, with a trio format, you know, Earth, Wind, Fire was such a big band with all the horns and everything, and the way you guys, you know, bring like shining star down to its sort of essence mm -hmm. and, and do that, you know, yeah. um, that must be challenging though, in a way. To no, it is, it, it is yeah. challenging. It's very challenging, but like, that's, that's what we do. You know, you always want to push yourself, you know, no matter what you're doing. And that is something that the end power we live by, you know, it doesn't matter. It's like, yeah, we can play that song. You know, it doesn't matter what the instrumentation is, but that also proves how great of a song it is. That doesn't matter the instrumentation, the song still, you know, is as effective if you have three people playing it or if you have 15 people playing it, you know. How did you uh, meet those guys? Uh, I met Nate when I was like 18. I met him at Wally's, which is a club that I used to play in, in Boston. And we, like, we were never actually in a band together, but we had a, a group, if you will, that we, like, wrote for. Like, we, we would just get together and, you know, churn songs out uh for fun and then the opportunity presented itself that we could play together and you know that's kind of how the nth power started and and nick uh i met nick when he was like a he just graduated high school and i met him through jen hartswick because i because i lived in boston i would play you know all over the northeast with uh, Sam Kenninger and uh, different cover bands. I was in a band called Felix Brown. And um, Jen asked me to play in her band. And she was like, yo, this kid's going to come and like teach us his song and we're going to do his song. 
and he showed up and just was ripping and I was like oh my god I'm like how old are you <laughs> you know he's like I just graduated high school you know and then I saw him on the train in 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 New York I think like seven years later or something like that and he was like remember me I, I, I play with Jen and I was like of course I remember you so he actually started playing in a band that I went to school with uh, with you know people that I'd known for forever and it was just ironic he actually ended up marrying one of my best friends <laughs> that I went to went to college with uh, so yeah I met Nick through Jen Hartwick essentially and that's how We Nick and Nate actually met on stage when we played the first time. They did not know each other. But now they do, obviously, very well. <laughs> yeah, well, it's working. Um, yeah. That's for sure. Uh, nothing like really young talent, you know? Um, that's yeah. like some of that has to be innate, I believe. You can't just learn all that, you know? You got to have a gift. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to some extent, like some of it is gift, and then the other part is hard work for sure. You know, like we're all students, you know, we study music. So that's kind of like what comes out of us, you know? And um, yeah, we're so excited to get back to it. <laughs> Everyone's happy time. about that. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Um, so how old were you, how, or should I say, how young were you when you connected with the Beyonce, uh, band? Um, 22, I was 22 when I got the gig. Yep. So, um, how, how like Gaga were you about that? Or did you somehow take it in stride? Yeah, I mean, I was at first, but then, like, once we started to get to work, there wasn't any room for that. <laughs> it was just all work, you know. Uh, we would rehearse, like, 12 to 18 hours a day. You know, it just depended on what needed to get done. So, uh, yeah, I didn't think that I ever would have a gig like that. So that was really cool, you know, when it happened. But it was just kind of a, just a testament to hard work again. Like boot camp in a way? Yeah, boot camp. But I mean, I just, I've, I've always been a hard worker, like my entire life. I always studied, like I was always a good student. And, you know, that was just kind of like, okay, you, you've been preparing for this for a very long time. So here it is, you know, like I didn't, I wasn't one of those kids that, you know, smoked weed and drank in high school. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I'm just saying that like, I was very studious, you know, I was not out, you know, gallivanting. I was, <laughs> I was in my room working, studying. 
I'm not a, you know, necessarily a Beyonce fan per se, but I sure respect her craft and what she can do <laughs> and how hard yeah. she works, you know, and her success yeah. and all that. So she's a very, she's an extremely, I mean, she's the hardest working woman in show business probably. And I, I saw it with my own eyes. I was there for most of it, <laughs> you know, and, uh, yeah, she's, she's an incredible talent. What I was like a lot from her. What was maybe like one of the most uh, unforgettable experiences you had just being on that tour? I mean, there's a lot. There's there's many of them, but uh probably when we played in Nigeria, that was crazy, but it was kind of like a real life experience at the same time because um we played we played like to an open field probably i don't know 60,000 people or something like that and then the people that couldn't afford to actually be at the concert they were at a field another field i don't know maybe half a mile away or something watching it on a projector and apparently there was like 80,000 people over there and uh, the projector went out over there and all those people started coming <laughs> to where we were and uh, they were mad they were pissed off because <laughs> because the screen went out you know and they couldn't see the show so we had to actually like get off stage and boogie you know, because it was about to be a riot. So that was definitely an unforgettable experience. Um, wow. Did you guys, did they make up the show or just that's what ended up happening? No, that's just what ended up happening. I mean, we were pretty much, we got through the show. It was just kind of like, yo, you know, we got to go now. Like, grab your shit. Let's go. <laughs> you know. The tour manager had to, like, grab some dudes with guns to, like, protect us, to get us, like, out of there, you mm -hmm. know. Um, but, I mean, we had some crazy times in uh, Brazil as well. Um, yeah, we played, like, the biggest stadium out there for, like, 140,000 people. And, yeah, yeah, there was that. I mean, you know, it was kind of like every day there was something <laughs> you know it's, did you uh, get to enjoy yourself or is there some downtime where you got to enjoy you know traveling around the world uh there wasn't a lot of downtime but we managed to fit it in you know we were young so we were burning the candle at both ends so to speak you know um so yeah i got to i got to see the world i got to experience it for sure that's fantastic. And, and I mean, I still am, you know. <laughs> what, what, uh, time frame wise, did that include the um, the Grammys where Prince performed with Beyonce? No, that, that, was, that was before I got there. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was curious because, um, you know, I was looking at uh, Beyonce's band that included you and I was thinking, hmm, was that sort of like maybe a template that Prince like looked at for his third eye girl group that he ended up having later on? Yeah. You know? Yep. Probably. 
I mean, I don't know if it was like a template more so than it was just... I mean, he always had women playing with him, you know? But not it, the it all wasn't like band, an all-female yeah. band, but yeah. lots of females, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, one of my favorite drummers, Sheila E., you know, that's, like, why I know who she is, because Prince, you know? And Cat Dyson, you play guitar and do Power Generation. Mm-hmm. I'm so lucky that I get to play music with her now. <laughs> it's amazing. She yeah, is that's incredible. Th- is it always that same lineup uh, for that group, or is it Shift, or...? For Kamani, uh, yeah, but yeah, just kind of like it's 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 fluid right now. <laughs> uh, but originally it was a uh, Cat Dyson and I, and Nigel Hall and Matt Lapham, and Nigel wasn't able to make the last run, so we had uh, Sput, C Wright, and Xavier Taplin uh, join the band, and also Sean Martin. So it's just like you'll see any of those people when you see Kamani. Yeah, that's an amazing band. I mean, from the footage, I haven't gotten to see it in person, but the footage I've seen that's posted on YouTube is just great. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's so much fun. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. That's a super band for sure. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll be at Halloween this year. Oh, cool. Which we're super excited for that. I mean, that's the thing is that the band just kind of started. The first run we did was in November, so it's a brand new baby band, you know. Um, and that'll be, I guess that'll be our first festival. Yeah. How do you uh, settle on the repertoire, you know, what the track list oh, will be, it, set list will be? It, it constantly changes. There's no settling. So do you, does every member just throw something out there and say, you guys want to try this or? Um, not really. I'm kind of in charge of the song list, but there have been suggestions. I mean, like I'm open to it. I'm not one of those people that's like, no, we can't play that. You know? Yeah. So would you categorize yourself as sort of the music director or the band director or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are. Okay. Yeah. So, and for how many groups that you play with do you take on that kind of role? Well, now three of them, I guess. <laughs> but, you know, I'm like, I'm always, <clears throat> I always volunteer to help in any way. But yeah, I mean, the Nth Power is more of like a conglomerate. You know what I mean? It's like we all make musical decisions and like for Nikki Glassby and the homies that's obviously just me because it's my name so it's my band (laughs) and then Kamani it just kind of like ended up being me because that's kind of what happens (laughs) I love the homie stuff you know being you know old school funk guy that I am um just the set list for that are just great and how do you fit so many people on that small stage? You know, that's. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing is that I, I grew up playing in Wally's and that stage is teeny, you know? So it's just like, you figure it out, you figure out like how, 
you know, different angles. It's like I turn the drum sideways so that it doesn't take up as much space, you know? And then we have like, we have like the row of like guitar, it's like guitar, bass, guitar, keys. And then in front, you know, we've got vocals and horns and another keyboard. So it's like you figure it out, you know? I miss being able to go to the Mint. I used to live in Los Angeles. I'm from Los Angeles. Now I'm in yeah, the Yeah, see, I see the Lakers hat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Mint is a great place to hang out. Oh, man, it's the best. There's much more to this great Truth and Rhythm interview. Just continue on to the next part of the episode. Also, be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. And become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you very much.